I genuinely want something of Jake Elliott. Something of Jake Elliott. Whether it's the Sounds hair... Sounds kind of stalkerish, mate. Yeah, yeah I was say, a lock of his hair. Whether it's <laughs> hair off the top of his head or his pubes or, you know, whatever it is, you know, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy to take it. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of Next Man Up and I'm back baby! It is another winning podcast and I'm delighted to be back here hosting alongside Phil and Mick. Mick, did you miss me? Of course I missed you, always miss you. (laughs) Love it, how are you doing sir? You uh, kids not been too well the last couple of days, still working, you're just looking forward to hitting that out of office button on and just getting out for the Christmas period? Yeah, it's been it's, well. It's been a quiet week, um, working from home, right enough. But yeah, still working tomorrow. Last man standing as usual. Um, but uh, like you said, the, the kids have not been too well this week, so I'm trying to deal with that. Deal with work. Deal with uh, multiple podcast appearances. Um, you know, getting all the Christmas food in, getting all the presents in and wrapped. It's uh, been a bit chaotic, but I'm looking forward to just like you said, putting the office on and put my feet up for a couple of weeks. Oh, mate, it sounds delicious. You mentioned the uh, some guest appearances on some podcasts. Phil, we joined outside the huddle for their uh, quiz a couple of nights ago. Fair to say a few sherries were had. It's good film, wasn't it? Yeah, you, you definitely provided a few highlight highlight moments of that. Being particularly confident of being able to count to 16 um, <laughs> on the Scrabble question. Um, for those that, that won't have listened to it, obviously, uh, the question was to... Uh, to how many how much how many what score in scrabble would the word christmas be and uh liam was just like oh yeah got it in the bag baby and uh, proceeded to get it wrong um yeah which was which yeah. was funny also forgot that, that that the texans come from houston but you know you know i'm, I'm here to entertain in whatever way i can if it's laughing at me then you know, i'm all for it you know i'm, I'm fine with that <laughs> it was uh, no it was really good eh? so anyone listening in if you don't you haven't listened already to Outside the Huddle. They, they do a kind of around the NFL style podcast here in the UK, uh, done by Andy and James. Uh, really good guys. Uh, give it a listen. There's a bit of Christmas fun and you can have a laugh at, at all of us. I think at one point Mick took his shirt off. So um, you can tell <laughs> Mick it had a few whiskeys in the evening. Good stuff. I hope they don't put that on YouTube. It already no, is on YouTube. I nobody needs sure. to see that. I can confirm I have seen your nipples on YouTube. <laughs> um, I'm back. I'm back, baby. As I said, COVID, I'm negative, which is good. Christmas is going to be a bit different this year for me. Just me and Katie at home. Although my mom can't come over and uh, we're not going back to Ireland. But, you know, we're going to make the most of it. It's going to be good fun. We're going to get some Christmas songs on. I'm going to cook some ham, despite what people some think about me cooking ham. And some cooking turkey. A loose, loose interpretation of the word there, right? <laughs> Hey, 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 we're not going to get down this roll about my boiled ham, but, you know, maybe another time we can talk about it. <laughs> but, yeah, look, we're going to make the most. We'll play some games. It'll be some fun. And I'm just I'm just hoping we can get over to, to Florida on the 30th of Jan- of uh, December. And so please don't close those borders over there, any U.S. people listening in. Right, let's get right to it. It's a winning podcast. We talked about it earlier. 27-17 to 17 win against the Washington football team. Phil, 
initial reaction to the game on Tuesday night for a change. Yeah, it felt like ages since we uh, we did our pardon with Anthony and sort of debating on whether the game was even going to go ahead, how many players in the Washington team are going to go out, game gets moved, Washington players start coming back, Dickerson goes down, Dillard goes down, but, you know, no one really notices. Um, and then, yeah, we finally get a game. Um, it's safe to say it didn't really start very well, but I think, no. um, I don't know about you guys, but as bad as it was and as slumped as I was in my sofa watching it at one o'clock in the morning, it still felt like we were going to come out and win it. It was just a matter of time. And I think if we, even if it had gone into the third quarter, fourth quarter sort of level or slightly behind, we probably would have come through. So I think, I think overall, I think if we ignore the first quarter. We can always, we can all agree it was a pretty comprehensive. It never happens. No first quarter. No, no first quarter. But, 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 but even then you look at the, you look at the things that make that first quarter, bad like the freakiest interception most people will ever ever have seen no one called it apart from the officials and even every time I watch it back I still don't understand how that ball bounced up off his heel I mean I, the way the, the trajectory of the ball in his heel it should all well against the laws of physics detailed it dictated it should have just hit the ground and yeah, it do didn't. you think he felt it Phil because like he he had no reaction when it like there was no reaction from Connor. But that's what I mean. It's like if he's, you know, in a split second between it, him feeling it hit his heel, him sort of turning around and realising what had gone on, it probably, ha- he could, it could have hit the ground. So he probably thought, oh yeah, it's just him, he'll hit the ground and they've just caught up hoping that, you know, it can, you know, hoping to get away with something. But in the end, it was sort of, yeah, it just bounced straight up. And I think that's just the most bizarre, bizarre interception, you know, you've ever seen. It's sort of, I think that's what maybe gave me the confidence. It wasn't that Washington were all over us and pump, you know, smashing it down our throat or doing anything. They had a massive pass interference call. And, mm-hmm. and it just felt like the, you know, the way the luck was going was the only thing that was keeping them in it. And as soon as that ran out, the Eagles sort of had control and just sort out to the end. I know it's a bit of a cop out to talk about luck, um, but it's, I've been saying it for a couple of weeks now. And at the start of the game, I, I was saying it again, just like you just mentioned, Phil, it just felt like the, uh, American football gods have been against us for a number of weeks. Anything that could go wrong, weird plays happening, you know, the wrong thing at the, the worst moment in the game. And then that happened. It was like, Jesus Christ. I mean, Mick, Mary Mickmas, as your, as your name says on the, on the zoom here, very, very clever. Um, Mick, you were, you were, I think it's fair to say a little bit concerned going into the Washington football uh, game. You weren't entirely looking forward to the game. I remember you saying on Tuesday, because, there was a little bit of a Giants feel to it. Oh, we should go in. We should win this. We should wipe the floor. Is there going to be some complacency? That fair to say? Yeah, well, it's just this team that we, we, we're we just not entirely sure what we've got here. And I don't know, maybe it's just Eagles fandom, you know, past games, you know, being let down and stuff like that. It just sort of gets crawls into the back of your head. And especially with the way the Giants game went this season, um, things that can go wrong will go wrong, um, you know, but sort of <laughs> expect the worst, but hope for the best almost nearly every week <laughs> coming down with our birds. But, you know, it, it didn't turn out like that, I think. Maybe it was because I had a, quite a drink in me on, on Tuesday night. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know. <laughs> watching, watching the game half a bottle of malt. Um, where was it? One, one, I guess 
didn't think the, you were going to make the game, Mitch. Game stuff we, that we, we, it wasn't that bad. Come on. No, no, well, we finished the quiz and you had your top off and there was a bottle of whiskey gone and you're on to the next bottle and there was two hours until the game started or an hour and a half until the game started. I was I was seriously concerned about your ability to make kickoff. Uh, don't worry about me. I was working the next day and I was on it. fine. I know, I know. But, but no, um, like you said, we're sort of staying up all night and, and watching the football. But I, I, I'm with Phil. I don't think at any point whilst watching the game, even though that first quarter just went to hell, that it didn't feel like the game was ever beyond us. Even when Washington sort of made a bit of a comeback towards the end, it still didn't feel like we were in trouble at any point. Um, you know, there was obviously you know disappointing things happen from our defense, uh, but good things were happening with our offence and I'm sure we'll come back and talk about all that in just a moment but I think just you know we went in we done the job um, hopefully we do it again over the next couple of weeks it was um, Jalen Hudson's first uh, divisional win as well so that's, that's ah, I didn't realise that that's no. always good one, a good one to get in the bag well I mean what a perfect segue to get into the good bad the damn rat six Damn it, I love to be back. Jalen Hurts <clears throat> is definitely a candidate for the good. Potentially the damn right sexy, but definitely the good. We'll kick it off with him. He had a very bad week against the Giants a couple of games ago. A 17 quarterback rating. Mick, I'm going to throw straight over to you here before I read out all the stats, because there are a lot of stats from this game that Jalen did very well. He had a probably, in my opinion, the best game I've ever seen him play uh, as a dual-purpose quarterback in terms of reaction to difficulties on the field, different situations, end result and stats, uh, overall leadership, everything. What were your thoughts on Jalen Hurts against the Washington football team, a- a- after which, as Phil mentioned, was a tumultuous start to the game? Yeah, um, so I mean, he came out slow to begin with, but I was do you put that down to him not playing for three weeks? You know, you having you know, but being out the the um the game against the Jets, then we had our, our bye week, of course. Um, we had that ankle injury that he's carrying, and then our game's postponed for a, a couple of additional days. You're wondering, one, is he fully well, he is fully fit, he's been passed by the medical team, but just you know, he's, he's not game sharp. Not match up. Um, so is it entirely out of the realms that he, that he came out? He came out slow. Not really. He's 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 actually came out slow quite a few times this season so far. And um, seems to you know grow into games a lot of the time. And we've seen it again. So um, seems to be seems to be happening quicker though. That's the one thing to add on to that. Yeah. Is that yeah. in the games where he started slower? That was a one quarter. <clears throat> rather than previously it seems sometimes it's been sort of a couple or two or three uh, no you're right definitely right because as soon as that first quarter was over it was um, it was like a different guy under centre so uh, like you said I know you're going to read out all the, all the stats and how impressive he was by the numbers Liam I'll let you take that away yeah yeah so um, 76.9% completion 20 out of 26 that doesn't even tell the full story. Three of those six incompletions were flat drops by the receiving core and bad drops at that. We'll talk about Goddard's, you know, in a bit. So, you know, you get those and you're, you're nearly up into the 90th percentile. 
in terms of pass completion, which is ridiculous for uh, any quarterback, let alone someone who apparently is only a running back. Um, you know, the Goddard one was not his fault. He started, so, so if you look at the start of the game, the fumble was bad, right? The, the fumble was inexcusable, and we'll get on to the reaction from Sirianni in a bit, uh, but the, the fumble was inexcusable. The, the interception was not his fault. I want to talk about his pass to Greg Ward Ooh. for the touchdown because, and Phil, I'm going to come to you for this one. It was the kind of throw that a very good passing quarterback makes, not just a dual threat quarterback. He threw him open at an important point in the game, Phil. He, he threw it to that that point. It's still, it felt a little bit sort of, uh, was it Miles Sanders, Carson Wentz-esque uh, a couple of years ago, not to sort of give bring him to, into the equation too much. I know but, what you mean, yeah. But in gen, you know, the, the clutch took to send us into the into the playoffs, I think it was. Um, and it, he threw it away from the defender. It's right on the pylon. I mean, Greg Ward is sort of literally done exactly everything perfect but then that you can almost put that down to the fact that he's probably the most experienced receiver safest hand the, you might you might say in, yeah it in, seems to be that sort of guy you don't hear much from him but then suddenly he'll pop up in the end zone hopefully with a catch sometimes without it's messed up December. yeah he had he had one he had one earlier in the match um and yeah i think that was wasn't a great throw by hurts but generally that that's the kind of throw that gets people to stand up and take notice of the fact that hurts is actually oh you can do that yeah. yeah, you can do that. You're more than just a running back. Um, and it's sort of, I think, yeah, the two rushing touchdowns weren't exciting, both very similar um, types of plays, but that, that throw sort of set has a lot more impact in, in, how he, in how he stands up into external opinion. And not that external opinions matter. Um, yeah. It is, but you know that people are going to find it harder and harder to sort of say that he can't throw. I mean, he had a couple of he had a couple of other throws during the game. You know, the, the few to Dallas to, Goddard, few to Dallas, two exceptional ones. Dallas Goddard, one which was probably a little bit risky that Goddard obviously um, ripped I think away. He trusted him to go up there, the size to go up there and get it. Yeah, but I think on another day or previously that's been intercepted yeah. or that's not gone the way. If the fact that Goddard made that play saved the skin a bit and it looks like a fantastic throw and catch. Um, trying not to take away too much, but also trying to be realistic. But there was another one where I think it got broken down quite a lot on, on Twitter today, which I've seen it numerous times, where he, he could have thrown it to, to Gainwell wide open, but didn't held on to it. And then boom, got it's there, another 10 yards up the field. So, it, yeah, it's, sort of, it's a very impressive performance all round um, on the throwing side of the ball. But yeah, going he back only to that. rushed for 38 yards, um, Phil. Um, and, and that's a, a huge difference. And he threw for 296 yards. That's his third highest um, throwing, um, yard, third, third highest yards throwing the ball uh, this year. So he's, he's growing. Yeah. He's, 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 he's growing game by game. Like I said um, a minute ago, um, when Mick was talking, was that it feels that he's, his ability to adapt and learn and improve is getting better as well. So it's not just the fact that he's improving, it's the fact that his, his, his speed at which he kind of goes right, you know, learn, gets a feel for the game because, you know, the tendency would have been just to run all over them just because that's what we do well. But no, they're still persevering. They're trying to improve. They're not just going, right, we're going to abandon Hurt's story in this season. We're just going to run ourselves into the playoffs and hope that that works. They're, they're trying to improve as a team 
and it's working enough to give us a real shot now now that we're you know we've got we've solidified second in the division and now we're sort of hoping for a few get a few results to go in our favor but the team has a real shot it feels a little bit little little bit like washington from last season you know you get you sneak into the playoffs and they had a real shot and they pushed tampa bay all the way i don't see any reason why this eagles team couldn't if it, if they sneak into a you know the wild card spot and they even play someone like you know could even be dallas or it could have be you know anyone else um who's sort of been class all season and has an exceptional record going into it then no one wants to play the eagles no one wants to look at the eagles and goes yeah they're an easy team they want to play people like the vikings they want to play people like the saints especially with the fact that you know they're going to be playing in book at quarterback this weekend and, <laughs> we'll um, get mixed opinion on that in a minute yeah and um but i think generally like anything's anything's possible and i always say that but this you know I, I truly believe that about this team is that you know the next two games are, are key and if they win both of those they're in a really real shot and who knows where Dallas are whether they're going to be resting players and we could end up 10 and 7 at the end of the season you talk Funny. about Dallas there Phil and um, we have a, a more proactive and productive uh, offense and then we're, we're we're ranked ninth in the league and I think Dallas are 10th or 11th I mean, that's crazy, right? When you look at the two offences. Where, we, the where we were at the start of the season, you, you know, if you told me that, said by the end of the season, we're going to have a higher ranked offence than Dallas, you would be like, well, we must beat them to the division then. Yeah. Um, it's just Elliott, been... Dak, Gallup, Cooper, Lamb. Yeah, you look Oaks, at what they've got at their disposal Charles, and, and I mean, you think that... Hard. I mean, it, I know we're sort of, I'm hoping that they rest players and that we, you know, and we, we end up, beating them because they have a weakened team. I won't care about that. It'd be more of a case of, you know, the, the, the fact that the first game against Dallas was so early in the season, it'd be really interesting to to want to see view those games side by side and to see how much the Eagles have improved mm-hmm. over the course of the season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mick, just bringing you in on, on the Jalen Hurts point there. Thanks, Phil. That was really good. 110.4 pass rating, also the third highest this season. Um, and he, he also... Um, has a new well uh he's the third quarterback to have 700 rushing yards and 10 touch 10 rushing touchdowns in the season and the season not even over joining Kyler Murray and Cam Newton I mean the guy is exactly after accolade record after record this this year I, I'm confused as to why there's still any question about him as the franchise quarterback so impressive what he said um he, he came out and he's done a good job after well after the first quarter so, I mean, that, that's exactly the kind of improvement that we wanted to see in John Hutsby. From Gardner Minshew playing, having the game that he had against the Jets, you know, some circles were, you know, saying quarterback controversy and all this. But we said on the pod, there's nothing that Gardner done in that game that Jalen Hurts couldn't do. Mm-hmm. And Jalen went out and proved that against Washington. He hit God up. Um, he, he made difficult passes over the middle. He made that absolutely... They put that dime on uh, on Greg Ward in the end zone. I mean, he made a couple of mistakes in, in some of his throws, some of his reads. He was throwing uh, Devontae into double coverage a lot of the time. That went to Dallas God a couple of times. But hey, not every quarterback makes has a perfect game. So That's it's bad. like everyone micro-analyzes Jalen Hurts. It's, it's unfair on him, but it's just it's the way this franchise is. Uh, we're looking for a quarterback. We'll always be looking for a quarterback. There's no better quarterback in, in the draft than, than Jalen Hurts is right now. So we've got Agreed. to roll with him. And it's not worth 
we won't get that. We'll, we'll have many conversations, I think, in the off season and over the coming weeks, certainly about um, the draft and free agents and possible trades. In my opinion, there's no one else worth trading for that would be worth the value of giving up Hertz and first round picks. Worth mentioning, I think probably since the last time we recorded a podcast, don't know if you guys said the last time around, but we now have three first round picks officially. Um, hey. As of Carson Wentz throwing over 75% completion. So you got that to throw in the mix for the draft next year as well. Also just wanted to pick up on one thing before we move away from Jalen, that you mentioned uh, Mary Mickmas, and, and that was... Um, <clears throat> His throwing and where he threw the ball, one of the biggest um, bugbears or criticisms that have been thrown Jalen's way, excuse upon the throne, um, has been where he's been throwing the ball. Um, quarterbacks um, find it much easier to throw to the right. They find it difficult to throw down the centre and to the left. Um, he made a number of throws down, down the middle and to the left uh, this game, and we didn't see that from Gardner Minshew at all. Uh, it was a bit of an eye-opener for me when people were talking about Minshew, and then I looked at like the two targets he had, completions on the left, and then everything else was the right. You look at the game against uh, Washington football team, and you know, it's much more spread out um, from Jalen with his 20 from 26. So, hey, you guys listening in, you know we are on the Hurts bandwagon, but there are reasons we are on that bandwagon, and we believe in him, we believe in what he's bringing to the, to the franchise so far. And I think it could have gone completely the other way, it's fair to say, against the Washington football team. Having seen what Minshew did, which was solid, decent, um, having you know not too long ago seen Jalen Hurts um, have those three interceptions against the Giants with a 17 quarterback rating. Had he had a bad game against the Washington football team, it could have been a completely different story in the papers this week and in the media this week. But he's come out three weeks off and he's had one of the best games of his entire career. So well done, Jalen Hurts. Keep it going, buddy. I know you're listening. And <laughs> um, uh, good. Uh, I'm going to come to you, Phil. Uh, I'm going to go to Miles Sanders. Come to you a lot uh, this season about the running backs um, because I know you, you, you know, you look at them quite closely and um, Gainwell Sanders, Howard, you've been, you've been on. Um, a, lot, a lot of this year, and you've been very impressed by them. We're going to get on to uh, the um, offensive line coach uh, in a minute, so let's not talk too much about Jeff Stoutland. Um, but I want to talk about Sanders, and I've got a couple of questions for you. First question is, is Sanders finally breaking out into a top-tier running back? That's question one. And question two is, what what are you what are you doing next year in terms of the split of running back snaps? Are you keeping Sanders and Howard? You want to get Gainwell more involved? First first question: Are you, are you liking what you're seeing from Sanders? Is he is he a top tier running back yet? Not not quite yet. Um, I think he needs to be getting some more touchdowns. I think his stats. <clears throat> his stats read great on the yardage side of things and last few games he's had consistent high high uh, stat running games uh, 100 yards in the last couple of games um it like the jokes while we were watching the game saying he's gets all these yardage but he's never the bride um kind of <laughs> in the long lines it always feels like he, he does a lot of the work but he's not going to get the recognition because at the end of the day he's not scoring that he's not smashing through to get that touchdown and a lot of that does have to do with the fact that we've got a great 
running quarterback and, and the two rushing touchdowns were, were pretty much quarterback sneaks or, or, or close to it. And um, he's going to, he's ultimately suffering because of that. And Howard punches it in quite often as well. With his- uh, yeah. And Howard, Howard is the sort of person that he, he would almost go to on the goal line. Mm. Sanders has always been the sort of, once he gets through, he's gone. Mm. And there's a couple of times the other on Tuesday night that that happened with Kelsey sort of like <laughs> running down in front of him, which was a great sight to see. What a dog. Um, yeah, absolutely. And so I think he's, he's all, I, all I think back to is the last couple of seasons, it's felt like he's been at that level that, you know, and when, you, when, you, when you're talking in terms of fantasy, how people regard him in that, that sense, <laughs> he's like, like he, isn't, he isn't talked about in the same level as sort of Taylor, Kamara, um, Henry and all that sort of stuff because he's probably not because quite, of the touchdowns, probably because of that, but also I think because he's sort of he's he's almost 90% top tier. He's like he, he's doing all the right things, he just needs to to do that, those last little bits. But the problem is, he's now in his what fourth year, third, mm. fourth year. Um, he's not a young running back anymore for sure. You can't hold that developing tag on him anymore, so there is a concern that he needs to do it soon. Um, and when you've got, and to answer your second question as well, since that when you've got a player like Gainwell, who is showing a lot of early promise, he's going to be heavily factored next. He's next season. He's going to be brought in a lot more. And you kind of look at Scott and Howard and go, well, probably one of them will miss out again. And it'll probably be Sanders, Howard and Gainwell. Excuse me if, if they don't get another running back in the draft, which I'm sure they'll probably pick up on later on as a... They don't need one. Yeah, yeah, they don't need one, but you know, if there's one decent one going that's fallen down anyway, I'm going off on a tangent. But what I mean is that I think they'll have three next season and it's on Sanders, and he just this was the season to to really do it. And he maybe again is affected by the fact that it's a brand new coaching staff and they're de- and everything's everything's developing, everything's learning, nothing's nothing's kicking on, everything's trying to get established, and he's he's ultimately going to lose out because of that. I you know, I hope that he does, but I just he needs to score regularly, touchdown-wise, and I just don't think he's getting... He's not getting selected to be that guy often enough, and that's just the only thing I think that's holding him back. Yeah, I, interestingly, just, just while we're chatting about Sanders, he was uh, he didn't practice today, Thursday, with a quad injury, um, which has come up on the report. <clears throat> no one um, seems to know the severity of it. So I suppose we'll find out in the next couple of days if that's a, an issue to look out for. I just wanted to pick up on a, on a couple of your points, um, Phil. Really good points. <clears throat> yes, he's not getting the touchdowns. And I think that's massively affecting his stock in terms of how the media um, see him, in terms of how the NFL see him. And if you want to look at fantasy, obviously that's a massive bearing on fantasy points as well. But we're not a fantasy football podcast. He's 5.5 yards per carry this year which is his highest ever. He's 5.2 and 4.7, I think, in his previous two years. 5.5 yards per carry is ridiculously good. Let me put that into perspective. That's the fourth highest of any running back in the league, of any running back in the league. Some of the quarterbacks have higher ones. I think uh, Allen leads with 6.2. Fourth highest in the league, 5.5. Guess who was 5.6 yards per carry? Jonathan Taylor. MVP candidate for the league. 0.1 yard more than Sanders this year has 5.6 yards per carry, 
but he sees a lot more of the ball than Sanders does, as you were just alluding he's to. He's getting the touchdowns as well. He's getting, you know, yeah, he's, get, he's getting all of it. He's a, he's a three-down running back, whereas you, you Sanders... Can, go on. No, I said you can, you can look back to Chubb and, and Hunt from last season. They were very, That's very much how they operated. One of them was the premium yard you know, gainer, and the other, the other was the one who ten, tended to get most of the touchdowns. So the stats are a bit skewed. It's like, who's the better one? Well, Neither, because they both serve their own uh, own purpose, but one gets all the accolades because at the end of the day, when the name flashes across the screen and the points go on the board, that's what you remember the most. Like it's, you, you, you can be forgiven for asking a guy in the street, going, how many yards did Sanders get on Tuesday night? And no one would probably get it right. But if you say how many touchdowns, how many rushing touchdowns or who scored all the rushing touchdowns, they'd be like, oh, Hurt's got two and, yeah. and Greg Ward got one pass. And it's a case of that's... What I mean is that I'm not saying he's not doing very well. I just don't think he'll be regarded in that way because... doesn't make the headlines. He doesn't make the headlines. I'm I'm not disagreeing with you at all. I'm just saying there are some interesting comparisons to to draw from. And one thing I will say, uh, I don't know if I've said it much in this podcast, but I certainly say in some of the Eagles chats we have, and that's when um, they try and run um, Sanders up the middle. Oh, my God, to start a game last week when they tried to run up the middle all the time. Now... I think there's there's two issues here. I think w- one issue is on Sanders, and I think one issue is on Sirianni. Uh, firstly, on Sirianni, it, he's not good at running the ball up the middle, so stop bringing him up the middle. The second's on Sanders because Sanders, Le'Veon Bell was really good as a running back in the league a few years ago because he used to wait behind the offensive line. He was very slow, and then he would look for a break and look for a gap, and then he would go into that gap. Sanders takes the ball at 100 miles an hour and goes at 100 miles an hour. So he waits quite a while. Um, Sorry, he doesn't wait long enough for those gaps to fill. If the gaps are there from the get-go, he's through them, he's off, and he gets big, big yardage. But I don't think he waits and pauses enough to see where those gaps are. So whatever is – I don't think it'll be fixed this season, but I just don't want to see Sanders run up the middle anymore. He's so much better on the edge. Um, If on on that, it's a case of – we're talking about how Hurts has improved in the areas that he's deficient because his passing was his obviously the weaker part of his game. And by person, like what they could have done is, like I said, they could have just gone, right, well, we're good at as rushing, so we're just going to be like the Colts and only throw it two or three times a game and the rest is going to go through our running back because that's how we win. On the same, on the same platform, if Sanders isn't very good at running through the middle, I almost kind of think that Sirianni is like, I'm going to keep doing it until he learns how to do it. He needs to do it to learn from the mistakes he's making. So we have tape to go, that's what he did wrong there. That's what he did wrong there. And I wouldn't be surprised if at some point in the next couple of games, Sanders is running through the middle and we're talking about this going, he's finally learned how to run down the, through the middle. He's, he's sort of taking that moment to kind of go, okay, start stutter step, seeing the gap and going for it. Mm. He just seems to be running into the back of on- offensive linemen. Like he, also seem, he also seems to be protecting the ball too early. And I know that sounds weird in terms of, you know, because the fact that he's been fumbling it, I think is a yeah, massive I fact, fact, prediction. I yeah. think he kind of, he, as soon as he sees that the, the gap's not there, he immediately goes into protection mode and almost just gives up the play and just hopes to get maybe a yard or two more rather than having the confidence in himself and his ball security to kind of go. Like, I think that's why maybe we look at Howard and go, that's why he's there, because Howard is the confidence to kind of just bulldoze through and he'll get three or four after contact and somehow stretch it so it's a th- it's a third and short rather than a third and medium and I think the only way you learn is by doing and I think and at the end of the day if he doesn't learn then you know then you have the data to say right Sanders isn't going to get 
a pro deal. Yeah, he's got one year to prove it. He's, he's, this is his third year. He's moving into his fourth year next year. Yeah, so, so if he people don't pay running backs anymore, not really. No, exactly. And it's a case of if they turn around and go, well, we're not, we're moving on from our Sanders. And everyone's just like, what? How can you do that? It's like, well, here's the tape. He's great at 75%, but he can't run through the middle. We need somebody who runs through the middle. And we've seen this guy in the draft and we think that he's he's got the potential to do that. And I think that's the cutthroat way that the the running back room operates as much as the NFL as a whole operates is a case of, you know, you need to prove that he's not doing it. If they if they just don't use him and then move him on, chances are he goes somewhere else. They 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 utilize him better. And we're and we're sat here again going, Oh, if only we just made him run through the middle, we taught him a bit better. <laughs> Like, yeah, I can see that like literally playing out as a as a scenario that happens next year. Um, saying that, you know, we started off praising him. We 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 didn't talk about his weaknesses. Let's not forget, you know, 131 yards on the ground, 15 uh, receiving, nearly 150 yards scrimmage. He averaged 7.3 yards per carry um, on on Tuesday evening, and <clears throat> he's on pace for if he played every game over a thousand yards rushing Howard, even though he's only played five, five games is, is also on pace for a thousand yard rushing. And that just shows that we have the best running, uh, running um, offense in the league, um, which is, you know, no surprise really. Um, we've got to move on because there's a few more to get to. We'll get to Sirianni, another um, really strong, good. If you're following us, we're still in the good, the bad and damn aren't sexy, but there wasn't a lot of bad to talk about, to be honest. So, Sirianni, Mick, I'll, I'll bring you in, Nicholas. Um, called a great game, Nick Sirianni. Uh, he continues to develop and, imp- and impress. He's getting better and better every single week. I mean, at the start, when he first came in, we were, you know, we were like, you know, this hire just came out of nowhere. We are like, who, who actually is Nick Sirianni? I didn't really know who he was before he came into the Eagles. Um, and it, lo- it looks like it was a really good hire. If you look around the league, it's only there. The hires that came in this year, Nick Sirianni's definitely up there. You know, Urban Meyer's already gone. Um, you know, Arthur Smith, he's sort of floundering a wee bit on. Uh, but no, Nick has, has done really, really well and he just continues to improve every week. Um, some of the play calls that he makes, um, really, really good. And, and you know, he's, he's quite creative with it as well. He's putting a lot of players in the emotion. That you, you see that a, a lot. He had, he was putting some twenty-one personnel on the field as well to confuse the defense, which was which was really cool. And um, some really good plays. And you know, if you have a look on Twitter and, and look through Fran Duffy's um, analysis of the game and stuff, it's really interesting to see, uh, you know, the calls that Nick made in pivotal areas of the game. Um, you know, but like I said, putting players in motion, playing up tempo. Uh, Chewing out hurts when he needed that, you know, it doesn't it doesn't need to be coddled, he doesn't need a, a pat in the back, say, oh, come on, Hurts, you can do better than this. He he just he went in his ear and, and told him what's what. He really, uh, really, really went. <laughs> well, look, it looked, it looked at it from the images that were shown on, on the You TV, don't see but... that. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm like not not just from Eagles quarterbacks. I mean, we 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 can talk about how um, you know, Wentz almost had to be sheltered from any any kind of criticism because of how badly he took it. And there's a reason he's not uh, working in Philadelphia anymore, but you don't really see that from many coaches in the league as to how he, he went aggressively at him. He, he was barking at him as he was walking. <laughs> he knows, he knows that Hurts can take it. 
Mm. I think they they've got they've got something there, and that's what's key. If if they if they if they stick with it and they go with it, I think that's something that could be a real real asset to the team is the fact that the quarterback wants to be held accountable, recognizes his own mistakes, and when the coach has got him, he's not going to get a grump on and sit there sulking about it. He's almost like I already know, but it's almost like because they both know they can take it, they both respect each other. I think I- that's. That's a great sort of place to be with your coach and your quarterback. Do you know what? I think that's very strong-minded, is Jalen Hurts. Yeah, that's such a great take. And it's an even better take because I'm pretty sure you haven't seen what I've seen today because um, basically um, Jalen and Sirianni were both asked about it in the last kind of 24 hours. And Jalen Hurts' dad is a coach um and coached him really 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 hard when he was younger um just you know one-on-one coaching and apparently um well not apparently from what they've said earlier in the year Jalen went and Jalen's dad went and spoke to Sirianni and Jalen went and spoke to Sirianni and Jalen specifically said to him coach me hard coach me hard I can take it my dad coached me hard coach me hard I want you to coach me hard and I think that's the evolution of the I can't take it seriously. Well, I dropped the innuendo in there. <laughs> He's just like, coach me hard. Coach me hard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm personally going. I'm, go, I'm going through. Um, basically, as you know, said, coach me harder. Um, I'm, just, I'm just waiting to see you laugh again. And I think that there's two things there. There's the evolution of their relationship as a, as a, as a coach quarterback, which you alluded to, Phil. That they're in this space where they feel comfortable. And I think it also shows the type of person Jalen is and the type of person Sirianni is um, that one, Jalen wants that to happen and two, Sirianni can adapt what was initially a very loving, affectionate, positive coaching style at the start of the year. Like you would never see anything like that from Sirianni to now turning around live on TV and berating the quarterback for what was very, very bad security in a game which we shouldn't have lost we didn't lose, and the only way we would have lost it is if that kind of behaviour continued from Jalen Hurts. So, very astute point if you hadn't read or seen that, Phil, because um, that's exactly what it is. That's exactly no. what we did. No, I, I hadn't seen that, but um, I think we we don't often talk about the, the the transition, the journey that Sirianni's been this season. And I think I was listening to Go Birds Radio, um, and they were sort of saying that it's a shame it took him seven weeks to finally realise to run the ball. But if that's the only kind of criticism that people truly have is that he didn't really kind of see that and maybe it was a little bit more obvious. Or maybe he was just so strong-headed when he started the job that he just thought, I've got to have my own way and I've got to stick with it and I've got to prove that I can coach at this level. And maybe he's now realised actually being a good coach is not just having a way and, and, and sticking at it through rain or shine. It's about about being about adapting, about being flexible, about tailoring your approach to each player. You know, you've got like I mentioned previously about his 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 um his conversation with Mylato when they when they realised they had a lot in common, and it's just that approachability. But it just feels like looking at him on the sidelines now, he's he's definitely more comfortable now, and mm. and in his decision making is is reflecting that it's it's no longer a case of I've, I'm just going to go with this player. It's, he seems to be more more in tune, more plugged in than he has been before. He's a natural, if you ask me. Uh, Mick, you touched on some of the uh, rookie coaches this year. It's chop and cheese compared to anyone else than him. And 
depending on what happens. Did I, did I give a coach of the year out in the NFL? Is, is there an award for coach of the year? Does that happen? I don't know when. Yeah. When, when does that happen? Does that happen after the regular season or do you know? Along with the MVP, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, he won't get it. Um, obviously, the, whoever whoever is the most informed team will will get it, as is the ridiculousness of the Pro Bowl selections and the MVP, the MVP and the coach of the years. Um, but, you know, in the scenario he's in with the talent and his disposable on the roster compared to all the other teams in the league, to be seven and seven um, and playing the way they're playing now as the as the number nine offense in the league, uh, number one r- rushing uh, offense in the league. The balance, the balance was, sorry, Mick, the balance was perfect. Uh, you, you, you mentioned it in some of our messages earlier on today. You know, 296 passing yards versus 238 rushing yards. I mean, it's an incredible, incredible balance in terms of uh, in terms of any offense. What I wanted to touch on as well, uh, well, you also mentioned uh, third best and third downs in the league. So decision-making is really good at important moments. But even more so, decision-making is important in important moments. He's six from seven on challenges this year. And um, when it mattered, and it was a very, very important challenge, Mick, um, on Tuesday evening as well. Oh, it was how how sweet was it? Honestly, like w- watching that game live, and you know, Hurts was actually late to, to throw the ball. So Devontae made a good adjustment to run back towards the sideline, and uh, to keep in bounds. I can't I, honestly, I can't believe that. Um, like in real time, just watching it, you can understand how the referees missed it because the camera nearly missed it. That's how that's how good a catch it was. Um, believe that next gen stats. Rated it as the as the top, you know, unlikeliest catch of uh, week fifteen um, yeah. in the NFL this week. So you know, yeah. it's props right. to Devontae Smith. He's, he's still a rookie, and remember, in college ball, they only need one foot inbound, and mm-hmm. you know, so to to adapt to the NFL and make sure he gets two feet down, um, full control of the ball, unbelievable. Yeah, you're not wrong. and It was something like the sixth or seventh most improbable catch of the entire season in the NFL and the most improbable for the entire Eagles franchise this year as well. It might have even been for the last couple of years, I can't remember. Something like 13% probability. To be honest with you, it looked like more like 0.13% probability when I was looking at it. Everyone who watched it live thought he was out of bounds. I mean, I did. I don't know if you guys are the same. But Definitely I, did. I thought he was he was big out of bounds. And then it was almost like watching like the fast, like a cheetah in slow motion, just get those two paws down before they went out of bounds. It was definitely something special uh, that we saw from <clears throat> Devontae Smith. He's not on our good this 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 weekend. He, he's not putting up massive numbers, but he's putting up better numbers than most average first round wide receivers do. Um, and he's played well and he's looked good. Um, yeah. We don't have to worry about Devontae Smith. Nobody, nobody is worried about him. I agree. Right, it's a, <laughs> we're still on the good. Um, this is going to be a quick one. Cox and Hargreave. Mick, I'll stick with you. Two sacks between them. I think it was 1.5 for Cox and 0.5 for Hargreave. They look very good. Massive snub for Hargreave on Pro Bowl selection, which we'll talk about in a minute because I've got a little section on Pro Bowls that I haven't told you about, which we're going to talk about. Yeah. Um, Hargreave came out, the, came out the season firing, didn't he, on sacks and you know, quarterback hits and pressures and stuff. And um, it sort of slowed down 
and I think that's how he's Pro selection. He's, he's still doing all these good things, but the sack numbers just aren't, aren't quite there. Whether that's, um, you know, just the type of defence that Gannon's running just now. Um, but the, inter- the interior defensive line is still a very, very good one. Cox and Hargrave are excellent together. So, you know, if they're getting double teamed every single week. And I just, I want to see more from the guys on the edge though. I just, I need to see more from the guys on the edge. It's just, yeah really is disappointing so I I really really hope we address that in the upcoming draft or um, free agency I completely agree Um, so moving quickly on from that one uh, Mick thanks for that Phil uh, one that wasn't on uh, some of Mick's notes earlier on today but I thought was a a miss from Mick was Dallas Goddard on the good side of the ball He, he had a career high 135 yards uh, seven receptions from nine targets. Yeah, he had that horrendous drop at the very start of the game, but he's really stepping up in the, in the last few weeks, and I think he's coming out of his shell. From, oh, coming out of the shell? No, coming out of the shadow of Zach Ertz. Finally, as tight end number one for the Eagles, I'm seeing nothing but stars and lights and awards and records for Goddard in the future if he stays fit and healthy for the Eagles. Yeah, he's definitely... It's definitely a good decision. I don't think we we really doubted that even when he was in uh, his shadow. I think there was plenty there to to say that he was in the equation when it was a case of do you keep Ertz or do you trade Goddard or vice versa. Um, people probably would have made an argument and been comfortable with either. It's just I think Goddard was a smart decision because he's younger and, and he's showing that promise now. He's it, The arrow's pointing up. He did have a second pretty horrific drop it was only a little short dink and dunk pass from Hertz but it was still a pretty pretty poor um drop that sort of you know I remember the commentator saying like he knew he definitely knew that one didn't bounce off his his (laughs) and it's like brilliant but it's um he's he's definitely there and I'm not going to be too harsh because it definitely was good and you know the two catches um the two long catches one that was pretty contested was almost a bit of a risky dangerous throw throw from from Hertz was um was ripped away from the defender and, and came down with a catch which was phenomenal and then there was there was one later on um for about 20 30 yards that he made um he's quickly becoming the safety net that he needs to be for Hertz which is the reliable guy who is going to catch it every time that's where the drops bother me it's because once he rules that out he really is going to be up there um but but yeah, I think I think in general, his, 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 the consistent yardage, the hundred yards on two consecutive games now, two touchdowns in his last game, nothing last uh, Tuesday night, but it just wasn't maybe one of those games. But no, the, the, the future is definitely bright for Dallas Goddard. I think we've got our, our tight end one moving into next season. Tight end one, baby. Tight yeah. end one. You just wonder what kind of numbers he would have put up if we had traded Ertz in the offseason rather than let it linger on till the trade deadline. Well, hold, yeah. that thought, hold that thought, Mick, because we're going to get on to that in a minute after we finish this segment. Um, but before you hold on, I'm going to pass you the mic. I'm going to pass you the mic to talk about the damn right sexy. Over to you. Right, okay. Sorry, I wasn't quite sure. <laughs> so this week's damn right sexy is Jeff Stoutland. 
Um, would you believe it? It's a guy that doesn't get spoke about enough. Um, somewhat saying, you know, that we've got a, a very good offensive line, which we quite obviously do. We put what was it, two hundred and thirty-eight yards on uh, on Washington in that game. That was more more yards running than Washington had total offense, which is unbelievable. Yeah, you know, and and to, just to think what Stoutland's done with this with the group, you know, and um, how how he has supplemented the group as well. So the, the amount of players that we've either had on IR or the COVID list is, I'll, I'll read them out to you. So Brooks went on IR, Sumal went on IR, Driscoll's on IR, Dickerson's got COVID, Dillard's got COVID, Mylata missed a few games due to injury, um, Lane Johnson missed a few games um, due to his, his mental health. <coughs> and you know, Jeff Stoutland's just been plugging these guys in. Um, Herbig's been brought in, Opeta's been brought in, and it's just, it's an incredible, incredible job that he's done. He's, he's, he's one of the, you know, he's, he's one of the older coaches that we've got on staff, like a lot of our team are, are young, a lot of our coaching staff are young. Um, Jeff Stoutland is, is just doing a, just a, a fantastic job. I can't compliment him enough, to be honest. And I think he's he's got to be the damn right sexy, possibly of the season, not of just this week. Yeah, I couldn't say that better myself, to be honest with you, Mick. And just listen to what you were talking about. Over 500 yards of offense. It's just crazy when you look at the people who were not playing uh this this Tuesday. Uh outstanding job. I don't, I don't know a lot about Jeff Stoutland other than he's really, really respected and a very, very, very good offensive line uh, coach. Don't know how long he'll stay and be with the Eagles. Uh, I hope it's for a long time because it's the strongest part of our team. There's no doubt about that. It's been the strongest part of our team for a number of years since the Super Bowl winning year. And we, we were struck with a number of injuries in the last couple of seasons, which made it made it made it even harder but it, it almost feels like this year it hasn't made a difference and um, we've had people to step in at the right times and they've stepped up and they've stepped in well it, it's almost like you know, those players have been trained and trained by Jeff while they're not getting first team action and as soon as someone drops out next man up baby next man up baby podcast, <laughs> you know they're, they're stepping in and then they're filling the shoes that they need to fill so I might be my favorite damn right sexy of the season so far uh, Jeff Stoutland. Oh, I like that a lot. I think he's he's a huge part of Philadelphia uh, and the football team and, and the way they play. All right. We're not even going to talk about the bad because it can't be arsed. We won. On to the next game. <clears throat> Unless you two want to talk about any of the bad. Nah. Yeah, I've got a bad one. Go on then, Phil. Oh, yeah. No, it is just a quick one. Uh, it's the Washington defence. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, seriously, though, on this and the second... Um, rushing touchdown from Jalen Hurts. Um, if you the way they had their Goddard bunched up behind three wide receivers on the right hand side just before they he switched the play and decided to run at him in himself. Who was who was at the head of that um that blocking pack? Devontae Smith. Nope. Oh. JJ Arthago White. Oh, if you go. are any smart defense and you see JJ Arthago Whiteside at head of a head of a head of a pack. And a wide receiver core for an Eagles offense, you know the ball ain't going that way. <laughs> so I, I'm saying that I'm only joking. I just think it's sort of, when I look it back, I'm like, how did they not know that Hurts was going to run that in? <laughs> I love that. 
Right, I'm, I'm actually going to go on to some questions. We've got some questions from some fans today um, and about 17 from Anthony, who <laughs> isn't joining us on the podcast this evening. And the reason I'm going to jump into questions is basically just off the back of what you just said. For one of the questions we had in from one of our listeners, I'll get the name up in a second, um, was <clears throat> in the next five years, you can either have Barnett or JJ Ortega-Whiteside which player would you want to have in your team? Mix? That's a good question. Uh, Gigi. Because the Gigi is, well, we know, we know what Gigi is and we know what Derek Barnett is. Um, and we know what they aren't. But Derek Barnett commands um, quite, a, quite a huge part of our cap space just now. And if uh, you're going to waste a roster spot, you might as well give it to JJ, who won't command such um, such a high cap number, uh, as well as, you know, he makes plays on special teams. He's, he's a, a decent enough blocker um, or a wide receiver. You could, you could also, you know, bring is him that, in and play where he's not up? being covered. But I don't think Derek Burnett's got it for us. Maybe he can do it somewhere else outside of Philadelphia, but I just don't trust him. I don't trust JJ to catch a ball really either, but he's, but he's, got, other, he's got other tools available. Do you think that a blocking wide receiver can take a place on a 53-man roster? You, you, you told me to pick one. No, I know, I know. I know I did. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, okay, okay. So follow-up question. Would you keep him as that player or would you replace him? Would I keep JJ on the roster or would I replace him? I'd replace him, obviously. <laughs> Um, there's there's got to be better out there without a shadow of a doubt. There's better in this upcoming draft. I'll, um, dare say we'll be able to pick someone up in free agency and possibly a veteran wide receiver that we can bring in to to the to the roster. But you know, just just um, picking between the two, I've just picked JJ. Fair enough, Phil. I think I know what you're going to say. Yeah, I'd probably keep JJ purely because I feel that's where the draft is going next year. It's going to be heavily on the defence, heavily on that side of the ball. And I think there's a heavy chance that Barnett's going to be gone anyway and, and, and that that's a particular position that's going to be addressed. So I feel like that's what's going to happen. And it is literally, I can, I'm so torn between the two of them, but I think I've got to stick to me guns and know that Barnett's a liability, whereas Arthur White so it's just useless. So you can handle you can handle uselessness, but you can't handle unpredictability. So I'd probably keep FA because you know what you're getting with him, whereas with Barnett, you might get good, you might get terrible. Yeah. <laughs> the good, the bad, and the terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Are you keeping Liam? Um I'm only controversial and say Barnett. All right. Reason being, the talent is ridiculous at times. I've not seen it. No, we've seen it. We've seen it. We've seen it. We've seen it. We've seen it at times. He's not consistent enough. I don't think he should be paid the money we would need to pay him to keep him. It's one uh, step forward, two steps back with him. Yeah, I, I, I get that. But I just, I want to believe, I want to believe that it can be coached out of him. I want to believe that it can be coached out of him. I, I know he's had a few years, but if I'm looking purely on talent between the two of them, and if the question is keeping one of the two, I'm keeping Barnett over JJ based purely on talent. I know he's had loads of misdemeanors, penalties, and he's a 
dick, but um, <laughs> his trade value is higher as well. I mean, if, if we if, if we didn't go to free agency and we managed to trade him, then you're going to get more for Burnett than you're going to get for JJ. So you might as well get rid of Burnett. Yeah, very for... good point on that one. They'll probably go to the Buccaneers and be like defensive player of the year next year. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next question. Um, which Eagles player has the best chance of making the Pro Bowl next year who hasn't made a Pro Bowl so far? This is one from Anthony. Phil? The, uh, the big Aussie. Yeah. Milana. That felt obvious. Yeah, no, no, we're not talking about him. Anthony's not on the pod. Right. <laughs> um, he, he didn't have a great game. Just to put no, he didn't. 33 yards, I think, average. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, I think it's I think it's my answer just because he had a very good strong shout and how we've come on this season, it just feels like next season he's just gonna be even better, knowing that he's going into the season starting, he's just gonna be he's a solid guy and we will love him. And you know, the, do you see the the post he put out to Eagles fans apologizing for the penalties that he gave away? Now that's no, a guy who holds himself accountable and no, I love I that. that. No, I didn't. It wasn't a massive apology. I think it was more highlighted as a oh, what a guy is apologizing because it was literally just like I'm going to go away and learn and be better, mm. um, kind of. And everyone just basically said, "You had two penalties, mate. Chill out. Don't worry about it." Like <laughs> we, we, we've had Barnett for the last uh, <laughs> a few few years, so we, we're used to sort of people letting us down way more than you're letting us down. Um, and I think just coming out of that, that accountability, just he's a guy. What a guy. What more can we say about him? I think Jordan Mylada might be a pro bowler for the next seven years after this year. Mick, who's your guy? Well, my guy was also Mylata, but I feel like I have to pick someone else now that's Mylata if you want to. Phil's taking it up, but I mean Mylata's grading out on, on you know all PFF and all the rest of the stat sites, you know, that he's it's, it's sometimes hard to get a a read on how good a lineman is because they, they, they don't make the headlines, all the receivers make the headlines, don't they? Um, especially like you, you, when you're playing fantasy football, you don't get offensive linemen um, to choose from, so they're, they're sort of hidden in the in the shadows a little bit, and they don't get they don't see the limelight. But they are often the most well paid, especially the blind side um, the blind side tackle. So you know, Jordan Mailata absolutely deserves it. The way he's performed from a seventh round pick. To what he's achieved, so he's been paid. He's a starting left tackle. It's just it's a phenomenal story, and he's a phenomenal guy to boot. Um, like you said, he holds himself accountable and all that sort of good stuff. Um, I felt just to make a different selection from Phil, I'll okay. say Devon, I'll just say Devontae Smith nice. um, because we, we know what he can do. He is a top receiver. Um, Jalen Hurts is going to get better and better in the passing game, so Devontae will see hopefully more targets next season. Um, hopefully we get an, an, you know another receiver maybe a veteran receiver and that might take away some of Devontae's targets but also take away his coverage because he's getting double co- double coverage every single game now um, and that's obviously hurting himself a little well it's not he's it's not his fault but you know he's, he's just very very good um, so hoping we'll, uh... for a big season in his sophomore season Oh, yeah, I completely agree. And he, he was one of the two, I was one of the three I was going to pick. My lad was one of them as well. Um, I think the Eagles will, will sign either a veteran wide receiver um, in the offseason or will sign another top end wide receiver in the draft. So 
There are a lot of veteran wide receivers going available. There are a lot. (laughs) We're not going to get one of the big ones. We're not going to get Devontae Adams or, or, you know, Godwin or anything like that. But I think we'll get a good one. Um, And it will will definitely free up Smith to to ball. Uh, Just quickly before I turn to mine, shout out to Harry Roseman for picking up Jason Kelsey in the sixth, seventh round and Maalada in the seventh round. You know, he gets a lot of shit, but there's two of the best well, one of the best Eagles players we've ever had and, and potentially one of the best Eagles players we'll ever have in the future, Maalada. So um, he doesn't get many shout-outs, but we'll give him a shout-out there. I'm going to go Jalen Hurts. Uh, I know he's had – can I say Jalen Hurts? He's got an alternate Pro Bowl selection this year. Um, well, I'm going to go Jalen Hurts for uh, Pro Bowl nomination next year. I think he's only going to get better and better. His stats are um, the same, if not better, than Lamar Jackson's were at this stage in his career. And Lamar Jackson won the MVP – um, only a couple of years ago. So uh, I'm going to go Jalen Hurts as uh, the next Eagles player to get a Pro Bowl next year who hasn't had one already. But to be honest with you, I think we could have three um, easily um, who haven't had one who get one next year. Cool. Okay. Uh, I think this will be an easy one. Uh, Phil, uh, would you have taken 7-7 going into the final three games of the season in preseason? Yeah, absolutely. I think we all would have. But you and I are optimistic at the start of the season when we were predicting 10 and 7 each, which is definitely a very real possibility. And we will not let Mick live that down if we end up being right. And I'm sure he's dreading us being 10 and 7 for that very reason. <laughs> Easy shakes his head. Um, but given the fact that it's a rebuilding year, 7 and 7, and we've got three first round picks going into the next year, is a fantastic place to be in. It's also the reason why the, the fan base is so split. Because on one hand, you want the fan base wants us to sort of get as many high-level picks as possible going into next season, which involves us losing games. On the on the flip side, we're sort of we're seeing the promise that's coming from the from the players so far this season in the seven seven, and we're we're kind of going well. We want to get playoffs. It's sort of it's amazing how we can be across the board from tanking to, to getting into the playoffs. And I think for for, for fans like myself and you guys it's a case of we always want to see the team do well and and for the team to have seven wins with another three on the table potentially towards the end of the season you know a rebuilding 10 and 17 a rebuilding nine and uh, nine and eight team is incredible given with three first round picks with three first round picks knowing that the future's bright from from where we were this time last year not sure what where the Wentz was going, not sure if we get, we were going to offload all the money, where we were getting rid of the coaching staff to having... It feels like we've hit first time up to this point with everything. We've not been kind of going... There's very few things we're sat here going, well, well I wish that wasn't different. We're all kind yeah, of going... Yeah, to all those Eagles fans and non-Eagles fans, you said we win three, four games this year. Yeah. And drafting a quarterback next year. I mean, you know, it's very easy to say, you know, oh, the Eagles have done okay. They've done, you know, they've been okay. No, they haven't. They've well surpassed already. Even the line, the line was 6.5 for Eagles to win this year in Vegas. That was the line was 6.5 games. They've already done that with three games to go, two against divisional rivals who we should be and one against the team we might be because might be resting players. We could finish this season 10 and seven. And there were so many experts, beat writers, Fans, even the bookies saying that we might, the maximum or the medium we would win was 6.5. Loads of people said we would win two, three, four games this year. I mean, they've massively surpassed expectations already without going into the last three games of the season already. It's, it's, uh, 
you know, I'll stop short of saying disrespect for the Eagles, but, <laughs> you know, there's a little bit, there's a little bit. Guys, I want to talk about uh, Pro Bowl and um, snubs, talking about disrespects. Eagles had two Pro Bowls um, confirmed today, one for, I mean, the man, the guy, the legend, the hero, the bear, that is Jason Kelsey, a stalwart center. We thought he might retire last year. He's come out and he's put his fifth, uh, fifth or sixth Pro Bowl appearance year in a row this year. Uh, the guy is an absolute animal. Um, I don't think we need to say more than that. There isn't much more to say about that. He's just incredible. And the longer he stays in Philadelphia, uh, the better Philadelphia will be as an organization in a hundred different ways. Um, that, that, that sprint with, with Sanders, it just, I think that, that, I looked at that and it just made me smile. I was just like, this <laughs> guy can't straight. possibly. Yeah, I was just like, how is this guy? Even, how, was, how are people even thinking this? My guy might retire. Like he's been injured a couple of times this season. He's bounced straight back. It's not like he's been out. He's for never days. missed a game. That's what I mean. It's like most 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 people in his position, it'd be like, oh, I missed two or three games, or he missed four games this season. He's not getting any younger. He's taking longer to recover from injuries. He's not as fast as he once were. The guy's just like bionic. He must he must have been replacing himself bit by bit with like machinery. Over the <laughs> no other way to explain it. <laughs> I love that. Um, uh, Darius Slay. Second team, uh, all pro, uh, sorry, pro bowl this year. Fully deserved, Mick. Yeah, Darius Slay has done exactly what we had hoped he would do um, in his first season when he joined from the Detroit Lions. One of the best corners in the game just now. So he's, he's certainly showed it and he certainly deserves it. Um, I know uh, a lot of the time corners get picked for the amount of interceptions they have. And I know Darius had a few pick sixes during the season. Um, but you know, just what he's doing in, in coverage as well, in man coverage, he's mm. he's, he's a lockdown corner. Mm. Um, he's been absolutely spectacular. Like you look at digs from the Cowboys. I know I don't know how many interceptions he's got now. It might even be in double figures, but um, he's got. I think it's ten or eleven. Yeah. Yeah, and you know turnovers are good, but you but you need a corner as to you know. Diggs has given up a lot of big plays. Diggs has given up a lot of big plays this year. Like, you know, I know uh, Slay gave up a couple of big ones against um, Metcalf and can't remember the other one last year. The two might, be, might, be, might have been Adams, yeah, Devontae Adams, um, where we got rinsed for like 150 yards plus. Um, he hasn't had any game like that this year, one-on-one. I think he's, I think he's might be graded the num- number one in, in one-on-one coverage in terms of yards and receptions. Uh, this year as well it's hard to disagree and also just a shout out to like him and his uh, wife jennifer and what they've been doing for the eagles community on twitter and giving loads away to the fan base and to charity i feel like you know the the lowest said about kelsey the longer they're in philadelphia the better it is for the community the fan base as a whole they just seem like really nice human beings um and you know genuinely delighted that he is what we thought he would be because we weren't sure whether we got him when he was a bit too old last year, but he's come back and he had his first offensive snap this week, this uh, week to combine Tuesday. Did you see that run? (laughs) That definitely should have been the damn right sexy. That should have been. You're right. It was, um, yeah, they they had this play design. I'm not technical enough to probably describe this best listening on the podcast. But basically, you've got a wide receiver, or in this case, a cornerback, lined up in the white wide receiver slot to the right of the O-line. And he comes across 
um, in between the, the quarterback and the running back and then loops back around in like a U-shape to go the other way and it draws the uh, defensive line's eyes away from the quarterback, the running back and the offensive line to the guy who's going on a loop and around and they think everything's going to the right and it opens massive holes on the left-hand side. Uh, and that happened earlier on in the game. I can't remember who it was. I think it might have been Watkins who, who did that. Yeah, Watkins did it in the first half. Yeah, Watkins did it in the first half. Thanks, thanks, Phil. And then, um, and then Darius Slay did it. I just remember all of us on, on our phones like, is that Slay? <laughs> is, it, is that Slay right there? <laughs> He's finally got... And, and you look at the rapport he had with uh, Demonte Smith early in the season about like, uh, Smith not being able to lock him down as a corner. He just brings this feel, this vibe, this energy, this quality to the to the team, to the franchise. Yeah, you gotta love the guy. He's absolutely turning into a bit of a fan favorite this season. His wife is doing a lot of stuff for the community and for just general fans, giving away eighteen tickets to the game on Tuesday to just random people, and also. Like, the highlight has to be made about the fact that it was in the section that she was sat in. So she's not afraid. Um, oh, she's met loads of, of people. She's met loads of new people. She wasn't sort of like, you know, I'm just a, I'm a wag. Um, I'm, yeah, you yeah. know, I'm doing all this stuff for social media and to appeal. She was just like generally happy and and not and fearless in a way, because, you know, I'm not saying they're all weirdos, but you're definitely out of 18 people. You're probably <laughs> going to find one out there. He's a bit of a super fan. Um, bit yeah. too much but generally joking aside it's yeah you're right they've been absolutely fantastic for the team and I generally wanted him to catch a touchdown because that would have been be incredible to watch I mean has it ever been done has a cornerback ever caught a touchdown oh they must have on the offense must it must have happened but it just feels like I've never heard of it personally yeah I think he'll be a team captain next year yeah possibly. yeah 100% that's probably locked in okay so um Got a few um, two locks in for the Pro Bowl. Uh, we we said we mentioned that Jalen Hurts is an alternate. So a couple. So go one, two, three, four. I got five snubs for the Eagles who, who I believe could have, a few you should have made the Pro Bowl. First one, I'm just going to knock on the head straight away. Jordan Mailata, we talked about already. He definitely could have been a Pro Bowl selection this year. But we've already talked about him. We've talked about Jamin Hargreave and why he might be a Pro, a Pro Bowl selection. And Mick, I know you said that his production at the start of the year was really good and it's tapered off. And that might be the reason why we're not seeing a Pro Bowl selection this late in the season. But I just want to talk to you about Kenny Clark. I think he plays for the... Oh, who does he play for? Packers. Packers, thank you. Yeah, Kenny, Park, Kenny Clark plays for the Packers. He made the Pro Bowl with 42 tackles, four, four sacks, and zero forced fumbles. Okay. You look at Javon Hargreave. He's the third best pass rusher in the league, as per Jen Stats. He has eight sacks, not four sacks, 46 pressures, and eight quarterback hits. I mean, the, st- the stats say that Javon Hargreave should have. Did you see his, did you see his tw- tweet this morning? Um, it's just the word wow. Um, I don't think he was very impressed that he didn't make the uh, the Pro Bowl uh, behind Kenny Clark. So that's my first it's a popularity contest, though, isn't it? It's just, yeah. It was all done on retweets and most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a bit ridiculous, that, isn't it? You think uh, there would be some sort of professionalism involved in it? It's just retweets and fans voting. It's a bit, it's a bit shit, isn't it? Yes. Lane Johnson. 
I mean, you talk about Jordan Mailata getting Lane Johnson has had zero sacks. He's allowed zero sacks this year, the entire year. He's only allowed one quarterback hit the entire year. I mean, you know, he's the same thing else. Yeah, he's the best. He's, he's the best at his position in football. Like, a beggar's belief that he did not make uh, the Pro Bowl. A couple of, we, we, another one we mentioned earlier on today, Dallas Goddard. And the reason I say this is this was one of the questions that was fired in from one of our fans, and it was Goddard versus Pitts. Is it time to throw away the Pro Bowl, the Pro Bowl and throw it in the bin? I mean, Pitts has had, yeah, he's had over 800 uh, receiving yards, but he's had you know, one touchdown this year. We talked about earlier on about Miles Sanders not getting any touchdowns and that being the reason why the recognition isn't there. Dallas Goddard has 731 receiving yards, only about 80 shy of Pitts. Um, and he did that while having Ertz as pretty much the number one tight end for the first few weeks of the season. It was split after that. Um, and he's got four touchdowns to pitch one touchdown. I mean, ridiculous. Rob Gronkowski as well is probably snubbed um, for, for a um, Pro Bowl appearance. It feels like the draft and popularity of Pitts overtook the actual production for, for, for the tight end. Any arguments on that? Yeah, <laughs> there's loads of arguments to be made for and against. Pitts hasn't been impressive enough. Ertz has been in... Ertz, Goddard has been in Ertz's shadow um, for much of the season. His his main, main games have been in the last couple of weeks, which may not have been factored into the into the, the, the voting. He probably, he probably wasn't made Pro Bowl worthy before like three weeks ago. So... It's going. We all want we want all the players to go in because at the moment the Eagles are playing really well, and all the players that we've talked about being snubbed are because they've, you know, they've been putting up the stats in the last few weeks, mainly. And and the start of the season was very, you know, first seven. We keep talking about the first seven weeks. They didn't really know what they were doing. Like in the last eight weeks, they've been a top five offense all all across the board, pretty much. Um, I think it's just one of those things where it's sort of recency bias isn't quite enough to overcome an entire season and again like i said it's it's a tribal voting system you know all people putting up tweets left right and center about their favorite players with pro bowl vote next to it and which we retweeting the hell out of it no one's actually doing it because they generally believe that their players are better than all the others they're just doing it because they're their players and mm. may, you know they've probably been good enough and that's just think the pro bowl's a bit of a joke anyway but yeah um I think I'm not too worried. I think mean, I feel bad for the players because, like we said um, before, Pro Bowl stats make salaries and contracts and worth goes up the more Pro Bowls, or if you've been to a Pro Bowl or if you've not. Mm, yes. So I think it's it's sort of I kind of look at it and go, the players that are kind of especially in the contract year, right? It must make yeah. I'm, I'm not saying that the players are bitching, but players bitching about not getting to the Pro Bowl is like. Oh, is that because you think you should be there or are you thinking, oh, I've got contract? You want more money. Yeah. yeah, you want more money in a couple of years. And why is Javon Hargrave, when's his uh, contract up? I don't know if any of you guys know. Is that in the next couple of years? No idea. I don't know. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. He's only just arrived, really. So. Well, he's two years into a contract and he was, he was at least mm. 24, 25 when he signed. So he's probably only got one or two years left in his contract. I mean, people, people who get paid will get paid because they've been performing, hopefully not, Based on the fact that they've made a Pro Bowl, maybe he is 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 sort of licking his lips at the fact that hardly anyone got into the Pro Bowl because he knows that the contract negotiations are going to be a hell of a lot easier, and maybe that is good for the maybe team. Maybe Lurie put a message into the NFL. <laughs> maybe that's <laughs> 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 Yeah, 
Um, I, the last one, I don't think anyone can disagree with really, and that's Jake Elliott. Um, Jake Elliott has 24 from 26 field goals this year, 92%. Uh, it's the third best in the league, but he also has 36 out of 36 um, one-point conversions as well. The guy is performing better than I think any person. We all liked Jake Elliott. He, you know, he had that, you know, Eagles record-breaking field goal, um, which we may have talked about once or twice in this podcast. Um, and over than that, he's been a good place kicker. He's been a good kicker. But this year, he has been a Pro Bowl, like the best of the best kicker. Like up there with Justin Tucker. Do we know who he's got in ahead of him? Yeah, it's Tucker and oh, I can't remember the other guy. Justin Tucker is the best place kicker of all time, so I don't mind him getting in ahead of him. Yeah, um, he's the AFC selection. Just the NFC selection. Yeah, yeah so I mean, I'm like, not, I'm, all the big ones I'm thinking of are AFC, and I'm like, who in the NFC has actually been significantly better? Like or just Jeremy or someone, is it? Yeah, Young Way Koo. No, it's not him. It's not him. Yeah, it, but that's it, it. it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter right now. But snubbed Elliot, fuck off, pro ball. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's the main reason I feel a bit aggrieved is that I'm thinking, well, fair enough if you don't think he's been good enough, but who's been better is my argument. It's Matt Gay for the Rams. Oh, uh, okay. He did have a better completion percentage, but I'm not sure he had as many um, point conversions as um, Jay Kelly has. I'm trying to look when I'm chatting, which is never um, good for podcasts. suck cup, is it, because of Tampa Bay? Anyway, either way, Jake Elliott, even if he should have been in the season, any other season should have been a pro bowler. And he's an absolute bowler, and I love him. And I want, I want his babies. Um, so that's Jake Elliott. Liam's uh, getting right. a Jake Elliott shot on the offseason. Uh, do you know what? I genuinely want something of Jake Elliott. Something of Jake Elliott. Whether it's the Sounds hair. Sounds kind of stalkerish, mate. Yeah, yeah, I'd say a lock of his hair. Whether it's the <laughs> hair off the top of his head or his pubes or, you know, whatever it is, you know. I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy to take it. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, let's look forward to the Giants game uh, this coming Boxing Day. This coming Stevens's Day. If you're in Ireland and you're listening in, I don't know what you call it in the US. I'm assuming probably Boxing Day as well. Um, let's look forward to the Giants game first. Before we look into uh, how we're going to go and the predictions couple of updates on the Eagles in terms of COVID. Uh, Dylan, Dillard and Dickerson uh, still on COVID um, list, hoping they'll be out in the next day or so um, to be free for Sunday's game. Nick Sirianni, massive news, is positive. I'm sure anyone listening in has already heard this news, but Sirianni has tested positive for COVID. He is symptomatic, not asymptomatic. However, with the NFL regulations, if you um, are asymptomatic and show a negative, and there's like three or four tests they can do over there in the US um, test, then you can still front up. He is hopeful that he will still be running um, the game as the head coach and the play caller on offense come Sunday, um, but he may not. Um, Dickers, uh, sorry, Trayvon, Trayvon Clark um, is also on the COVID list. Not sure if I've missed anyone else who was on the COVID list. Ryan Kerrigan has been added to it in the last 20 minutes. Right. Well, there you go. I wouldn't have had that. Thank you very much. He doesn't Ryan, do anything anyway. Ryan Kerrigan. So basically that makes no difference whatsoever to the team playing on Sunday. Because he's done... Fa- How much money? I, I don't know. I'm not looking at it. But he must have been paid a couple of million at least. 
to come and play for the Eagles this year. And that must that might be the most wasted money of any team ever in terms of free agency. We look at the uh, Giants. Um, well, the biggest news is Daniel Jones is on IR with his next strain. He's out for the season. He doesn't think it'll be long-term, but we don't need to talk about that. Fact is, he will not be quarterback for the Giants. It will either be Mike Glennon or Jake Froome who will be quarterbacking, suiting up for the Giants. Mike Glennon, in his last game against Dallas, had 99 yards through the air and three interceptions. Let's hope Mike Glennon suits up for the Giants this coming Sunday. Saquon Barkley is questionable. Uh, Leonard Williams is also questionable. They've got Canavius Tony back. He's been um, he, he's back in the he's back in the lineup now. And um, Shepard, uh, Sterling Shepard, is also an IR like Jones. So they're missing some key players. A few key players questionable. Um, they've got a few back from the COVID list in the last couple of days. Um, so they're looking in a little bit better shape. But the you know the teller tape is Daniel Jones. Yeah. Whatever you think about Daniel Jones, he's a lot better than Mike Lennon and Jake Froome. So the fact that he's not playing quarterback stands us in good stead. Last three games since the Giants barely beat us 13-7 in possibly the worst game in Eagles franchise history. They've lost 20-9 against the Dolphins, 37-21 against the Chargers, and 21-6 against the Dallas Cowboys. Phil, looking forward to the game against the Giants this coming Sunday. Have you any nervousness about it? Is it, you know, you fully confident of the win? How are you feeling? Nope, not nervous at all. Fully confident. We're going to screw them over because we thought we were going to do that last time. We should have done by our rights. Now we've got the added chip on our shoulder of them thinking that they were better than us and that they could do it. And it's just, I think there's going to be a lot of anger going into that game. Everyone's going to want to prove a point and we're going to absolutely, and it's, a, it's in our house this time. There's absolutely no way Our house. that the Giants are going to get anything else. And and, it, and the fact that they've, they've now, they're now sitting uh, Daniel Jones for the rest of the season yeah. means that checked out. They, they've checked out. They're going for a high draft pick. They ain't going to be asked. Um, it just, I just don't see anything other than... Oh, are the Giants going to take against us after what we saw last year? It would be funny. be funny, wouldn't it? The irony would be delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, Mick. Fuck the Giants. Fuck the Giants. That it? That's all <laughs> you got? That's it. I was going to go That's with that, but I thought I felt that I knew Mick was going to go short, so I was like, oh, I had a bit of bones to it. Meat to the bones. All right. Well, listen, it's already we've already been all about an hour and 25 minutes already, so um, we've gotten through a lot. Should we do the uh, predictions part of the week? Phil, have you got us ready for predictions? We can do it if you want. Um, we can make Let's the pod, pod another... Half an hour, if you want. Um, <laughs> let's do it. Let's, let's, let's do it. Fire. We'll fire. Let's touch down, mate. Go. Listen, the fans haven't heard my voice mouth. enough. They need to hear it more. Because, you know, it's fine. I've been away for two weeks. <laughs> what about you, Liam? Who do you think is going to get the first touchdown? First touchdown? Um, I'm going to go for Miles Sanders to get his first touchdown of the season. I like it. I like it. Um, I'm going to go with Goddard because I think he is going to absolutely want to come out and pulverise the Giants. Um, yeah, so next one we've got is total receiving, most receiving yards for the team, sorry. Uh, Liam, who do you think is going to get the most receiving yards? I think Goddard's going to back up his 131 yards he had this week with another big performance, and I think Dallas Goddard is going to have the most receiving yards for the Eagles. Um, okay, 
I'm going to go contrarian with that one. I'm going to go with Smith because <laughs> I think now Hertz is sort of getting into his rhythm, throwing the ball. I think it's going to be a few more of those nice little toe-tapping toe touches on the side. Uh, Mick, who do you reckon is going to get you most, the most yards? I'll go with Goddard as well. I know he, he sort of was posted missing against the Giants the last time we played them over in New York, New Jersey, as it happens. Uh, but I think Goddard will want to rectify that. Yeah. Nice. Maybe he'll yeah. still wear his elf costume. I hope so. That was amazing. I can't believe we didn't talk about this. Uh, what, what costume? I think I was seven yards off getting a perfect Russian yards total for last week, mate. You might be able to confirm that for me. Um, <laughs> flex. Flex. But this week... Put that dick away. But for, for this game, it's the Giants, Liam. How many uh, Russian yards do you think the Eagles are going to get this year? They kind of I seems mean, to be consistently around the 200. Another thing we haven't talked about on this, but I'm sure anyone listening in has heard of any podcast or any Twitter um, you know, group they're following is the fact that the Eagles are the first team to go, I can't remember if it's five or six games, over 175 rushing yards since the 1985 Bears. Um, you know, <clears throat> they're going to keep bowling. I was going to mention this earlier on today when one of you mentioned, you know, playoffs, what could happen. I don't see anyone stopping the run against us. I don't see anyone stopping the run against us. Offensive line is too good. You've got Jalen Hurts at a quarterback who can run the ball, and you've got two, two probably the best one-two punch in the league. You would have thought it would have been Chubb and Hunt, but you know what? It's Howard and it's Howard and Sanders. I think he's going to go for 220 rushing yards this week this weekend against the Giants. That's how it's like some of the schemes that Sirianni's coming up with on that offense is scary with the running game. Like you said, they had 21 personnel on the field, so they had Howard's. Howard and Sanders both in the backfield. You'd be Jalen Hurts that can run on skates. He had a man in motion. The defense yep. was like, "What the fuck is going on?" I don't know yeah. how to defend us. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely, he's definitely. Two or three times, like three or four times, even it wasn't even just once. Like he did a few times. Go on then, Nick. Give us, your, give us your title then. Sorry, what was Liam's? I'm writing them down. Two twenty. Two twenty. Oh, sorry, 220. I was writing them down as well, but I'll stop. Yeah. Um, I'll go f- two twenty one. Fuck you, oh, fuck you. <laughs> Are you really? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sticking with the 230 then to pit to, to wedge you in then. <laughs> oh, I can't wait for like a 110 <laughs> yard rushing game then <laughs> to win. <laughs> right. Then next up we've got sacks. How many defensive sacks? It's such the it's probably the most difficult one, but I think we found to to get on and it seems to very very this weekend. What was it? One and a half? Is that count? Or was it two? Because it's it was two. It was two. Yeah, it was two. Because I know it was one, one and a half, and a half. Does that count as two, or does that just count as one and a half? No, it was and one and a half, and a half. It was two. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, two sacks. I think that's. I think I got that one spot on as well. Um, oh, um, funny <laughs> that. But yeah, anyway, moving on, moving on. I digress. Do we post? Do we post? Do we post the results of that? Are we? Uh, not yet. I've not. I've not kissed that. Hey, you're thinking about Mick. I was too drunk. Um, <laughs> I've been so working this week. I'm going to stick with my. No, I'm going to go three sacks this week. We're going to actually pulverize. We're going to extend that long Glennon neck until it comes flying off. Break the giraffe. <laughs> you like stretch Armstrong after the game. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going with three. What about you, Mick? Uh, I'll go with three as well. So you can't pick your points. <laughs> Tactical. Yeah. Four. Four. All right. 
Um, so I think that comes brings us to outside the box. If anyone's been thinking about it, I'm kind of going to go with Liam because he put us on the spot to to do the uh, predictions now. So he must have a really good one. So uh, yeah, I yeah, I mean, I I make <laughs> you guys don't know already. I make every single one up on the spot, so I'll make this one up on the spot as well. I'm going to go for uh, Jalen Hurts. No, fuck that. I'm going to go for Miles Sanders. 180 scrimmage yards. Cool. I'm going to go with, we are going to get two receivers with 100 yards. Oh, wow. I'd love to see that. Hang on. Are we, are any receivers, so a tight end or a wide receiver? Yeah, any, any, so on the receiving charts, there's two. Or even a running back. Two yeah, receivers. Be anybody. Okay. I like that. Nice. Nicholas. Nicholas. Um, I'll go right outside the box. I'm going to take a lineman to catch the ball. <laughs> Nick's not even seen a box. He can fuck the box. <laughs> I like that. Cool. Because um, Syria has been coming up with some weird and wonderful stuff on offense. And, you know, might say, by that, you report yourself as eligible. I mean, he is. He has. <laughs> Imagine my last trucking down. He has a career in catching the ball and running through players back in the AFL. Why haven't we seen it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's been keeping it, happen, it for man. the Dallas game. That's why. Yeah, love that. Cool. Um, that's what I answer the boxes, and that just leaves score predictions. Then um, I liked Liam's shutout call from last week. I don't think I'm that confident, but I think they'll keep them to under ten points. Um, so. Giants are going to get six. Eagles are going to get 37. Yeah, boy. I'd love that. I'll go. Um, I feel like I was too blasé, too disrespectful to the Washington football team last week, um, even with the players they had out. And I feel like the Giants are in a similar boat, maybe a better boat, and we only beat the Giants, the Washington football team by 10. So I think it's going to be a tired game, and I still think we're going to dominate, and I think there'll be some errors. So I'm going to go for 28 to 18. We'll go 27 to 17 to 28 18. I'm going to go 28 18. One point better every week. There you go. I like it. On there, Mick. Um, I'm not sure how much we're going to give up on defense because we give, we like Gilbert score 17 on us, which is troubling. Yeah. Again, tailor that. He put up points because we gave him opportunities to. We're not going to do that again. Okay. Aren't we? Well, we're not going to have a ball bounce off our heel and fucking drop into receiver's hand. Yeah, but even against the Jets, we had a terrible special teams playing. We made a short field. So, I mean, anyway, make a short goal. It happens every week. I'm just, I'm just talking it out, man. Fuck me. Where's your Christmas spirit? I'll go 30. 18. Okay, nice. His Christmas spirit's in the recycling bin at the moment. <laughs> I, nearly, I, nearly well, broke out, I nearly broke out the song there. Well, I do have a Christmas poem for us as well. Oh. As well. Oh, well, nice. well, I think oh, we'll have that now. No, I recorded it earlier, so I'll just, I'll just tack it in. Oh, tack it in then. All right. Well, <laughs> guys, listen, I reckon that's a wrap. So if you're listening in, you'll probably hear Mix. Uh, poem in a second unless he's going to throw it at the start either or you'll hear it either way guys it's been truly amazing to be back uh, after a couple of weeks off not being with you guys and chatting the birds 
especially as it's a winning podcast. And I saw mixed nipples this week, so that makes the week all the better as well. So um, listen, been great to have you on. Looking forward to the Giants game on Boxing Day or St. Patrick's Day, which wherever you're listening to this in the world. Hopefully we'll win and we'll continue our trajectory towards the playoffs. And then who knows what will happen? Mick, Phil, it's been an absolute dream, a pleasure. I love you both. Looking forward to the game on Sunday. And go Birds! Holiday season has come once more, with a playoff berth still to fight for. 7-7 seven and seven on an even keel. Plenty of players on the highlight reel. An unusual year, to say in the least, but Kelsey's still balling like an absolute beast. Milata and Lane holding the line. Jalen Hurts is beginning to shine. A run game we've found that is second to none. Pounding the rock and scoring for fun. Some questions on D. I'm not convinced. Jonathan Gannon has been getting rinsed. Darius Slay, a pro bowl year and a defensive scheme that gives me the fear. Jakey Elliott has been automatic and I can't leave out Sippos or Anthony with panic. Winning pods have been fun to record. Hopefully, some more to look toward. Thanks to all, it's been an absolute pleasure. Of course I'll have another whiskey measure. A toast to the listeners, and of course every guest. We appreciate you all, and feel truly blessed. Our Eagles friends, whom we share this bond. Merry Christmas, from across the pond. Jingle bell, that's the jingle bell.